Shifty. Shifties. Welcome to Shifties. A podcast about food. My name is Cold Cut. And I'm Wallace. And I'm Joey. Is our podcast about food? I thought our podcast. Not this week. This week it is about something else. Restaurants is the all-encompassing word that we have been using in the past, but we're still not settled upon. We're still up in the air. Speaking of restaurants, they're pretty crazy sometimes. And crazy things happen in restaurants. Never. Some crazier than others. Some way crazier than others. And on that Some part, actually not that crazy. Sometimes normal stuff does happen. This is going to be the normal segment where we tell our boring... No- I'm just kidding. I'm just messing with you guys. That's, that's, that's on me. So yeah, this is a working title of Crazy Story. That is the name of the segment. <laughs> so I was working at the Spaghetti Factory circa 2015, and I was going through the silverware, as you do when you're a server, and I came across a knife that had a really sharp point for our, our bread and butter knives. They usually don't have a sharp point. They're just kind of rounded on the end. And I brought it to one of my managers, like, you know, when you find an oddball, you're like, oh, this is cool, like, whatever. And he was like, oh, no, there's a reason why all the silverware in the Spaghetti Factory is dull. Long ago, in 1987, I believe, at the original Old Spaghetti Factory, a the lady... The oldest of the Spoogle Boogles. Yeah, the eldest, the oldest <laughs> Spaghetti Factory. Uh, the lady was dining with her husband. Back then, it was just the Spaghetti Factory. Yeah, it wasn't even old yet. They were like... <laughs> it's the slightly juvenile Spaghetti Factory. It's got a little hair on his chest. His voice is starting to change. What is happening to my body? So this couple's eating out, and... They start arguing with each other, as couples do, but the uh, the wife takes it to the extreme, grabs her fork, stabs her husband through the chest, and hits his heart, and he dies in the old spaghetti factory. So from that point on, they had to dull all the silverware. <laughs> <laughs> so that's why all the silverware was dull. And that's why it's haunted! Yeah. Why, why did she stab him? You know, the jury's still out on exactly why. I know for sure it did happen. I looked it up, and I found a little mention in the Willamette Times which is the, it's like a Portland-based uh, newspaper. And there's just a little snippet that says, woman stabs man in a heart with fork at Old Spaghetti Factory. He, and he died. He passed away. Um, I couldn't find any more info on it as much as I tried to dig through and find it. But I believe that story based on the fact that, one, my manager knew it, and two, it was in like an old newspaper. So, yeah, wacky shit. Wow. old newspaper that called it the Old Spaghetti Factory. Yeah, I think... I'm really confused now. I think they had that name for the whole time. I, I know. I was, just oh, playing oh, with, oh. I was just playing off the joke. Gotcha. What do you What do you do? That's your table. Oh my god! Is it your table at that point, or is it the cops' table? <laughs> I don't know. I think you got to rush in. Nah, I wouldn't rush in. I'd be like, let's see how this plays out. Uh, and then the dude dies. Does that mean it's your fault? Is that like overserving someone and they crash on the way home? Hmm. <laughs> nah, you didn't stoke that argument. Mm, what if the waiter did though? Here's oh. the thing. Think about it from a legal perspective. Every old spaghetti factory everywhere forever had to change every utensil in their whole restaurant because mm-hmm. one person decided to be a murderer. They literally had to say, well, since people might use our shit to murder other people, we have to change it. So in a way, that server gave them those sharp forks. It's true. Yeah. But you know what definitely happened is they started arguing about who's going to pay the bill. And then the server, he just egged it on, right? And then, of course, he ended up taking the husband's because he's sexist. And then, sure enough, he brings it back. The wife's like, man, all the way back. He always insists on paying. That's sexism. And then she stabbed him. And it's only because the waiter didn't bring the woman the check. Yeah. 
Mm. That's canon. Yeah, that's canon right there. That's Spaghetti Factory canon. I read that straight from you the said, article. You said it was 87, right? 87, yeah. I, they could have been arguing whether Def Leppard was the worst band in the world. <laughs> that's true. Or, nah, actually, never mind. No one can argue about that. Have you guys ever had tables, like, seriously fighting uh, when you were when you're taking care of them? Oh, not yeah. my table, but table in the section over. Fucking wine glass to the face. Whoa. Oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. Yeah. Damn. Have you guys ever had crazy fighting? Uh, no, I wouldn't say crazy fighting. I've had dinners where one of the people is not there by the end of it. Uh, like they yeah. storm out mm. and things like that. I had a couple break up in my section. <gasps> Same thing Ooh. as uh, your wine glass, but they were underage, so they're drinking like um, Italian sodas. Uh. So the dude got an Italian soda to the face. And he just, like, left. <laughs> Which I mean, then you look, like, doubly a loser. Not only did you get blasted in the face, but with a child drink. Yeah. It was, like, probably cherry or something like that. Weak. Yeah. Weak, man. I hope he went home and got drunk that night. Me too. I hope he's listening to this podcast yeah. and he's like, holy shit, that was me. You know what? You could do better, dude. You could do better than an Italian soda to the face. Pick yourself up if you're still all busted up about it six years later. Also, would you guys want to break up in a public place? Not a spaghetti factory, that's for sure. Mm. I've gotten in, not an intense fight, but in a moment where my girlfriend was crying and I really didn't want to be in a public place right then, the server was definitely like, I'm going to leave them alone for a little bit. It was a stupid reason. But regardless, yeah, that would be way worse. Yeah, but what if your wife is crazy and she's going to stab you with a fork if you break up with her? So you take her to the old spaghetti factory. At least so she, was she across the table or was she next to him? The lady that, with the fork? Yeah, because if he's across the table, you got to see that shit coming, man. Like, oh, why are you getting up out of the booth with a fork in your hand? Yeah, well, this here is just speculation, but I'm imagining things got physical. She had the fork with her mm. and then stabbed him. You know, I don't think it was like an across the table kind of, eh. That, that's, you can't get enough like energy behind that. I'm sure that there was like, they were on the ground tussling or something, and then, boom, fork. Mm. He must have known that she was going to kill him either way. Mm. So that's why he took it to a public place, so at least she would get caught. At least his dying <laughs> breath could be like, you're going down with me, and then he dies. Yeah. He didn't know he would ruin Spaghetti Factory cutlery for the rest of time, but what can you do? Well, you can do. at this moment, what we can do is mention our Bar Crawl episode, which when you're hearing this, should be coming up. Two weeks from this moment, it's hitting your ears, unless you're listening to this on your backlog, because we get it. you got a lot of podcasts that you want to listen to. Check out our Twitter feed for the exact itinerary for the bar crawl. That is February 22nd. If you're in Seattle, we would love to see you there. Also, we're going to get right back into the regular programming. That's the commercial. It's our own commercial. Now on to the word of the week, which if you read the episode title, you know is decanter. And if you don't know what decanter is, you picked a good episode to listen to because we're going to explain it right now. A decanter, basically a wine pitcher, pretty much, but it looks nicer. It looks kind of like a big weird light bulb that's turned upside down. You pour the wine inside, and the reason it's got that big light bulb shape at the bottom is to give the wine more surface area so it can interact with oxygen more and become oxygenated, which, why would we want it to get oxygenated, Joey? What? Why would you want that? Well, the reason you use a decanter, and to your point, not only do they look goofy, sometimes they look really goofy. Like, they'll have, remember those silly straws when you were a kid and you'd sip milk out of them and they were all bendy and loopy oh, and yeah. stuff? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have ones at work that are like that with glass, and you're not supposed to pour out of that end, but if you really tried, you could. And I, One day, one day. The reason you decant wine, my dearest coldest of cuts, is 
that oxidizing a wine brings out the flavor. That's the simple answer. Basically, when you decant, what you do is you take the bottle, you open it, of course, uh, you pour it in the decanter, you swish it around a lot because more movement equals more oxygen getting into every single molecule of that bottle of wine. And sometimes you let it sit. A proper form is actually to ask the table if they want to let it sit or pour it right away. And then once you do that, you pour it from the decanter into the glasses of wine. The baller way to do it is you pour it into the glass of wine, you swirl that glass around, and then you pour that glass into another glass of wine. And you swirl that glass around, and then you refill the first glass. And so that way, the glass is not only coated with the wine, but every wine uh, iteration. It's a fucking weird word to use for that. Every wine pour will be poured three times by the time the bottle is opened. You know uh, that episode of SpongeBob where he says the word secret, secret, secretly like a million times in the row, and Patrick's brain is just sort of short circuiting? <laughs> that you right now? I mean, I just thought of that episode. Uh, no relation. <laughs> But in essence, that's that's why you do it. Is it part of it for show? Of course. Of course. But you... most of alcohol is for show. The appearance of the drink is mm. just as important as how the drink tastes. Well, if you want to talk on a meta level, we've created an entire culture around our addictive substance that allows us to drink poison for fun. But it's cool. Yeah. And that glorifies it in a way that makes it okay. So it can be cool for sure. But you've also mentioned to me in the past that certain wines greatly benefit from this process of decanting. Indeed. So if you think about a wine, I mean, it, it all goes into the grapes, the thickness of them, uh, how much uh, acidity is built up over time. You know, that's a, a word that we use to describe wines, or the concentration of tannin in the wine. All of these things, when they're super condensed in a bottle, will condense to the point that they change the flavor. And acidic wine, if you pour it right away, is going to t and drink it right away, it's going to taste very acidic. But if you aerate it a little bit, you'll bring out the other things in the wine because you're not drinking acid, you're drinking a fruit drink. And so even if there's a little bit of fruits in there, those will be pronounced and come to the forefront a little more. And fruit drink bounce. was actually on the short list for wine names, but they ended up settling on wine. <laughs> fruit drink. <laughs> you wouldn't call it grape drink. Not grape Purple drank. Purple drank was also on the list, but I mean, wine just sounded classier. Yeah, Lil Wayne had already taken it. <laughs> that's right. I forgot he's centuries old. So yeah, that's decanting. Here's a just the tip for you: if you want to make more money from a table, decant their wine, especially if they order a baller wine like a Barolo. Well, honestly, if they order a baller wine, you should. They are paying a lot for this, and they are going to lose out on some flavor if it's not properly decanted. And who wants that? And you didn't shell out this money to get like 80% of the product or less percent of the product, right? Um, but, you know, if you got nothing to do and you really like these tables and they get a bottle of happy hour wine, it's like $19, but you decant it anyway. Might as well. probably tip you more. Uh, and speaking of Barolo wines, as aforementioned by my esteemed colleague, we have two Barolo wines. So here's a little bit of a funny story. When I was server training at uh, not my fine dining restaurant, but my former fine dining restaurant, sister restaurant of my fine dining restaurant, uh, a sommelier, that'll be a word of the week, one of the week, these weeks, but that is a term for wine god, wine doctor, or what? <laughs> yeah, basically wine god, if, if you're high up enough in the system. He told me when I was learning, uh, I was just asking him about different wines and the importance of decanting and all, all of these things, you know, what what do people like? And he says, okay, here's a really good test if you have the time for it one day. Get two bottles of Barolo. 
and open one, and then open another one two hours later. But don't drink either of them until you open the second bottle of wine. So basically, you let one sit for two hours, you drink one right away. And that is supposed to be a palpable difference in the taste. Now, I, since that time, have never had the opportunity to do this. But from what I understand, because I see it and I know that we did this, we did that today. I can't even fucking talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, guys! He's it, saying like, we got two bottles of wine. Yeah, and we're about to do that shit so we for open, your entertainment right now. We opened one two hours ago, and one has yet to be opened. But the corkscrew is literally in it. So, what do you think, guys? Should we taste the uh, unoxidized or the oxidized first? Oh, give me that bad first. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Go, well, I don't know. No, no I want to go bad first. Bad, bad first. first. But then we sure. got then we can have the context of the good to know how bad bad or truly the context is. of the bad to know how good good truly is. Exactly. Okay. End on a high note. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm gonna end drinking the whole bottle of oxidized wine. I think we're both gonna drink both bottles. I think we're both, both gonna drink both. There's three of us. Both. Yeah. Crazy. I think both three of us will drink both <laughs> bottles. Ooh, get a whiff of that. Just just smell the top. As so, let me yeah. let me just. As I'm pouring this here, a couple notes on Barolo, because this is something I'm actually qualified to speak about. Barolo comes from the Nebbiolo grape. It's a famous Italian wine, a really beautiful wine. It's extremely high tannin, high acidity, full-bodied. I mean, you hear the word full-bodied almost every single red wine that you get, because it's like the most buzzy word, buzzword that there is. But this one actually is. Um, if you look at it, it's not very translucent. There's a very dark ruby color to it. Um, and Italian wines, in general, are dry as fuck. Like, you suck on that thing, and it's not sour, but it's the same thing as if you had a warhead in your mouth, where your mouth just goes, and your lips pucker. I always see it as a sort of a palate cleanser. If you're eating a piece of meat uh, or a very flavorful dish, you get that bite, you sip the wine, and it will cleanse your palate, and it will kind of reset for the next bite, which is why it pairs well with very strong meats like that. You know that so moment... don't swirl it. Don't swirl the wine. We're not oxidizing this. You know Taste that it. moment... In the Kool-Aid Man commercial where the Kool-Aid Man breaks through the wall, that's Barolo. Mm. You, can't, you can't see it, but I'm sipping my wine. I'm saying that shit. Right. Yeah, imagine that. Let's imagine get, let's me get a taste before this oxidizes. I'm getting the warhead for sure. Yep, my yep. mouth just lost all of the moisture in it. I got a lot of like, just super sour cheeriness. Yeah. Kool-Aid Man. Mm. There's, so there's notes that are commonly used to describe Barolos, which I think we'd all agree here. They say leather and tobacco a lot, mm -hmm. but it's true. Taste it. You can literally, t it tastes leathery. It doesn't taste like you're biting leather, but mm -hmm. it doesn't taste like a strawberry, you know? Like, there's a rough and grainy, a rough, tough texture to the taste of this wine. It sits on your tongue. Your taste buds don't dance. It's more like a, mm, it makes you savor and appreciate it. This is why, you know, if you're like a five-year-old kid and you're like, Mommy, can I sip your wine? And then you do. You, it's disgusting because mm -hmm. it's an acquired taste. But this is how Italians like their wines. I've always thought that the leather thing is what, if you licked leather, that's what your your mouth would do. The reaction your mouth would have mm -hmm. to like licking leather. Not necessarily like the flavor of leather, but like the reaction of licking leather, <laughs> if that makes sense. My bartender once described it as walking through... I'm pretty sure he said his grandfather's study. Mm -hmm. Like smelling his mm -hmm. cigar chest... And all of his old sweaters and it's pretty yeah. good. Yeah. You guys want to try the uh, the area you wine? No, I do. I'm very ready. All right. For context, for those of you who can't see us, which I think is everybody who's not in this room right now, we have big wine glasses for the oxidized wine because the reason red wine glasses have a wider rim is so that you get more of the aromatics. I.e., eighty percent of taste is smell. So you smell it first. You 
set your palate like that and then you take a sip and the open rim just allows more smell to escape makes sense right and if people have big noses they can fit their noses in there which is what you're supposed to do do i have a big nose no man not as big as my nose i've seen you don't have a big nose you have a wide nose he has a bigger nose than you yeah Joe, you have kind of a small nose. I know, I have an amazing nose. So we have a decanter here on set. It is glass, but the typical use of this is used for blending of smoothies and other blendable objects because it's a blender, but it works. Are you saying that blenders blend? Yes. You, you know, we yeah. also talked about blending this earlier, throwing it on the, uh, the base of the blender. That would really have air to the wine, right? <laughs> if we had blended that shit. <laughs> Dude, when we're famous and we're doing like epic mealtime type things, we could we could blend some wine. Blend, <laughs> blending Barolos. That's a literal red blend. Uh, <laughs> been sitting on that one forever. Um, and that's a wrap on series. Uh, yeah, we're gonna quit while we're ahead here. And here we are, gentlemen. Just spilled some wine on my pants, but guess what? They're wine pants. I'm not now. even gonna wash it because it's just made them better. Thank you. Denaz. Should we swirl this one? Absolutely. Swirl it. Get a good sniff. Here's the proper tasting process. Just full tips. You swirl it. Sniff it. I always swirl it twice. Sniff it again. Just really appreciate it. You sip once. You keep it in your mouth. And then here's the trick. You're supposed to just separate your lips just slightly and suck in through your teeth like that. And that oxidizes the wine even further. Then swallow. Don't be annoying though. That is the proper way to taste wine. Even on the nose which is how you smell it, you know, nose smells. You can smell that the acidity has diluted a little bit, which is exactly how it tastes. Wow, that is remarkably different. I feel like all the other flavors have had time to develop. Like, it's still obviously very acidic, but all of the different little fruits and tannins and different things have smoothed out and developed and kind of rise to meet the intense acidity. Sit both again really quickly and focus on how the difference and how it hits the back of your throat. Hmm. See that? Mm-hmm. The more acidic wine, it kind of catches for a second because yeah. it's acidic. But yeah, that's exactly that's exactly what happens. Um, I couldn't tell you what goes into the winemaking process to make it so acidic, um, aside from the acid baths and the battery acid <laughs> and uh, doing acid like LSD that the winemakers do when they make it. Um, yeah, okay, I'll stop. But yeah, it's. I think that's very tangible. You know, you wouldn't think that. I mean, it's fruit. Fruit's acidic and sour. Yeah. Lemonade. I think the big thing that I'm getting is that I still get a lot of dry on the palate. I'm still licking the saddle, you know? Mm-hmm. But it's much rounder. It coats my entire tongue pleasantly instead mm-hmm. of just kind of sitting there, like, on the taste buds that it primarily would be picked up on. It's just a very much a big old menagerie, that makes sense, of, of oh, flavor yeah. it did. in my mouth. It did. Yeah. I want steak. Mm-hmm. A lot. Me too. We need a 24 hour steak, has. <sighs> Wait, 13 coins. Anyway, guys, worth the test? Yeah. Yeah. Decant your wines. Definitely. I think I'm going to start doing that with uh, most wine in the future. I generally drink the entire bottle whenever I drink wine, so. Plus, if you've got your parents over or your important friends over and you just pull the bottle of wine out and then put it in a decanter, are you kidding me? Hmm. Oh, obviously you have your shit together. You think those guys decant their wine? Doubt it. Doubt it, man. Doubt it. Do that shit. Yeah. I want you guys on the decanted wine to give me a start, mid, and finish of hmm. the taste. What do you get on those? Because that's important. Another thing I forgot to mention is that when if you're actually pouring decanted wine, especially a really fancy bottle, 
you pour about two to three ounces at most. So that when you mm. swirl, the entire liquid coats the glass. It's all run through with oxygen. I think I get the cherry up front. Mm. That's my initial one. Red, red cherry? Mm -hmm. Black cherry. Red, red. Cherry. it's very bright. It's not as dark. Um, I can't, I couldn't tell you the middle. It just becomes kind of overwhelmed by the, I'm with you. the dryness. I think it's fair to say that we truly don't have the palate to say, I mean, and, and that's fair. Like it's an acquired taste, but it is a really powerful, potent taste. Like that's just, it's yeah. a lot of flavor all at once. And I do get a lot of like bright cherry and berry flavors in act one, if you will. And then I'm definitely overwhelmed by it. Like there's a lot going on. It's hard for me to untangle all the threads, I guess. Because like you said, I'm pretty sure this is the first Barolo I've ever tried, so. I would say maybe if anything, the tobacco is on the end. Finish maybe. I just took a smaller sip instead of and tried to like focus in on it a little bit more. Mm -hmm. And maybe that tobacco is back there and the leather is kind of in the middle. But it, those are such, I guess, similar flavors. Or they have a, a very sim like similar palate that they're hard to kind of break off from, from the other. I was really just focusing on it for a sec there. And I got the red cherry, it, ironically, because I said, said I didn't taste this earlier. There's a little bit of strawberry in there that I feel mm. like I taste, you know, just like a very, very pleasant sweetness. And in the mid palate, I got a little bit of a citrusy vibe. Kind of, I, I had some lemon that I felt was going in, which is probably some other type of citrus because lemon is what is in white wines. But there's, there's definitely a citrus element that the acidity gives you. Yeah, I think the main thing, cold cut, you hit it right on the head. I really want steak with this. I want steak. I want Brussels sprouts. Yeah. I want... Here's a bonus, just a tip. When I started trying to get into wine, I tried drinking a bunch of different wines. And for the longest time, I really didn't enjoy it. It was very much that feeling of your mouth drying out. And you just want some water. And it's very intense. But I started eating food with every bottle of wine that I tried. And oh my goodness, I loved wine so much more. It's so much better with food. Oh, yeah. Just, I mean, everything Italian, obviously. I just get cheeses and sausage and crackers and, ugh, and eat it with wine oh man you'll have a way better time if you've got some nice meat to mix it up with that's because it does make your mouth kind of salivate and, yeah you, know, you want to balance it out mm -hmm. to build off your tip when i would go to the grocery store i would first go to the wine section buy a bottle of wine and then build my entire meal around that bottle of wine mm -hmm. so if i was in a white wine mood i'd probably gravitate towards chicken or fish or some sort of lighter protein. Red, I'm going like pork or steak, or maybe even like, a, if I'm going like a Pinot Noir, like a, another fish could be fine too. But that's a fun way to kind of like, if you're having like a nice meal for yourself, get a bottle of wine and then build your meal around that bottle. Plus my girlfriend loved it when I did that because we would just have yeah, delicious food. Here's a, just a tip, every girlfriend will. That's true. Seriously, dude, holy fuck. That's baller status. Yeah. Secondarily, question for you guys. What food pairs best with Rex Goliath? <laughs> oh, eggs. <laughs> Fucking huge eggs. <laughs> the 12 egg omelet. <laughs> you gotta go to Beth's and get the 12 egg omelet and eat the whole thing. And only then can you appreciate Rex Goliath. You know, Wallace, I was debating not waiting until you were finishing drinking to ask you that because I knew you were going to start cracking it. <laughs> <laughs> Just spew red wine all over my bed. <laughs> Spoiler alert, we're in Wallace's bedroom right now. The Shifty Studio. Yeah. Cold Cut, I noticed your glass is empty. Yeah. Give me that pitcher wine. Give me that blender wine. Also, guys, we didn't really reflect on the fact that this is the first good wine we've tasted on the cast. 
Okay, low-key, if you blindfolded me, I couldn't tell it was that much better than some of the other wines we've tried. Rex yeah. Goliath, maybe, but... Maybe. Rex Goliath tastes like dog piss. Okay, yeah, that's that true. That was horrible. But some of those other red wines, like the two-buck chuck, not that bad. And it's considerably cheaper. And, you know, once I know the story and I think about it, I can be like, yeah, this is a really great wine. But if I was blindfolded... Mm. I don't know that I could tell you that. And maybe that's that's probably a lack of experience thing, but that is where I'm at. I definitely think so because Sommelier is like in that movie, which you guys have seen too. Som, you have not seen it. Joe, you've seen it. I have. Listeners, go watch Som if you haven't already. These guys literally are blindfolded and can't tell the difference and tell you where it's from region-wise, like what year it is. It's ridiculous. So yeah. it definitely is a lack of training. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I wouldn't say they're blindfolded as much as they just have glasses of wine in front of them. Right. With no label, and for context, there are, I don't know if millions, but thousands of regions that grow, mm. ri- grow wine. Let's just say, year there's they- over 9,000 for <laughs> they sure. Are. And they pick six random ones. The testers pick six random ones from anywhere in the whole fucking world. And to pass that test, you have to taste them and tell where it's from, what it is, what year, all of the information about it, which is ludicrous. Like, you just think like, oh, well, that's just straight up impossible. And for the most part, it is. I mean, there's only been, uh, I think, 50 or so people. It's like in the 60s now. In yeah. the 60s who've yeah. been doing this. And it's about 60 or 70 years that the test has been around. Yeah. Think about the first time you listen to Shifties and you're like, holy fuck, this is so good. It's impossible. That's how impossible it is to pass the sommelier test. So also from what Joey was talking about, you have to get, I think, two of the six perfect it's either two or three of the six perfect to pass and be like the the level four sommelier and there's three reds three whites and you have to i think nail three of them and that's how you get wine god yep before that yeah i mean wine doctor that's like level two mm-hmm. wine king level three yeah i say that's, that's that's pretty close to to the ranking system and then once you are a wine god you can go and make three hundred thousand dollars people will throw money at you to work for them or you could work hard in a career that is nowhere near as impossible to pass that test and make $300,000 or more. However, you also just get to taste wine all day and dress up in fancy suits and be like, oh, sir, this bottle is incredible. The because only of blah, 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 blah. problem with that job is there's only five other people on the world who think you're not a huge pretentious moron. Mm. I mean, I would say everyone else in the, the culture is pretty okay with it, too. Maybe. Dude, you're telling me you're sitting in a fancy restaurant and the level four psalm comes over. It's like, what are you feeling about eating tonight? I'd love to recommend a wine for you. I'd, I'd be like, my yeah, pants, cool. dude. I'm sure it'd be great, but it wouldn't be that great. You know, you know, like if the greatest athlete on the planet walked in, take that every single time. Look at that sculpted human being. Like, all right, cool, man. You know all the wines. I know all the magic cards, you know? I'm a, I play a whole lot of video games, and I know all. I've got all the moves memorized. Oh, come on. You know, you know it's relevant to, I know. to all right. interest. So let's say you're at the YMCA. Mm-hmm. You're shooting some hoops with your friends. You're just having a good old time. You're not, you're not that great. You better right? say Kobe. I was going to say Magic Johnson. Okay, fine. I'll say Magic <laughs> Johnson. And Magic Johnson walks up, and you're like, oh, my God. And he's like, hey, man, your form's not super great. How about we work on that for a little bit? And then he sits, like, hangs out with you for 15, 20 minutes, and he walks away, and you're like, I am a better basketball player. I feel like that's what encountering a master psalm is like. Hmm. Like, it's a pretty cool experience. That's a really and good analogy. Most people would pay money for that experience. You're right. I stand corrected. 
I think another element of it too is that, like we were talking about, we probably don't have the palette. Not that we couldn't, but we just don't have the palette to understand the full complexity of this wine. And that difference is noticeable to certain people, and after, especially for wine connoisseurs or whatever. The knowledge of that sommelier will make a difference in their meal and in their wine tasting because they're recommending with nuanced specifics exactly what they want. And he's telling them exactly what they'll get. And to the connoisseur, that's important. It's like how Wallace makes little whittled wood sculptures of Bigfoot, you know? And then he's like, he's in that market. And sometimes you see this, it's like, this isn't even ratioed to big size. Like his arms are way too long. It was like, you didn't even make this No, nah, dude, wood. Bigfoot has big arms. I've seen them. Yeah, the only reason they call him Bigfoot long. is because his feet are like crazy big. Like his arms are really big, but his feet are like even bigger. Mm. So that's why he's Bigfoot and not big arms. I know. I saw it. <laughs> why would it be called Big Feet? It's like calling the tooth, like, you know, we call the toothbrush the toothbrush when it really should be called the teeth brush. Because Bigfoot sounds better, and it's a fantasy name. Big Feet. Bigfoot. Yeah, you're right. Like, Bigfoot's out there. Big Feet's out there? <laughs> that sounds like a weird comedy. Big Feet's are out there. Big Feet's are out there? Because it's talking about the, the foot. The whole thing mm. is Bigfoot. It's not in plural. It's yeah. singular. Is, yeah. plural, is plural Bigfoot Bigfoots or Big Feet? Bigfoots. Got yeah, me Big Feet. Yeah? No, it doesn't. Because the plural of foot is feet, but Bigfoot is not the word foot. Bigfoot big feet. <laughs> okay, so, but like you say, like... <laughs> drop, you... Us a, drop us a comment in the comment section <laughs> and weigh in on the new debate. I guess this is a bonus off menu. Well, here's my question, mm -hmm. real quick. If you're talking about, let's go back to Magic Johnson. Does he have big feet or does he have big foot? He has big feet because he has two of them. But Bigfoot doesn't have two. I don't Bigfoot's know. just <laughs> one Bigfoot. Okay. Right? Like Littlefoot from oh, fuck. <laughs> the cats, the down, cats here. down here. All right. We're gonna, I wondered what that noise you know was. What? You're going to be treated to some cat sounds for the rest of this episode. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we got to fill time somehow. I do have a bonus segment, actually. Yeah? Yeah. Slap it on us. Okay. So we're going to throw it back real far because you know what we haven't talked about since like episode three? Red Robin. Robin. I'm bringing Red Robin back. So, honestly, not a very good reason why I'm bringing Red Robin back. Here's why I'm bringing it back. I went to Red Robin again recently, and it sucked. Mm. What? We waited so long, and no one even talked to us. Like, people even ran by us. I'm talking 15 minutes just standing at the door, and people ran by us, and nobody even said, Hey, guys, someone will take care of you in a moment. Like... Thank you for your patience. No uh, one said... one second. I'm decanting the non-decanted bottle. Oh, yes. Wine. In our very expensive decanter. Sorry. Nobody said anything, which is obviously really frustrating. And it's also so easy. And I do it all the time. Every time if I walk by and those people there, I say, hey, someone will be with you shortly. I'll send the Mater D on over, et cetera, et cetera. Obviously, I work in a different kind of restaurant than Red Robin, but that should be the first thing. Like, you know, obviously... The guest experience is the first priority, and we waited super duper long. Well, that's so I I don't even know if I've talked about this on the podcast before, but the best restaurant advice I've ever gotten, which is that no matter what, as a server, you have two priorities, particularly if there's no host: greeting people at the door, even if you don't seat them, greet them at the door, and two, the hot food will get cold. 
that's those are priorities number one and two in restaurant people at the door hot food honestly those are two areas where everybody gets mad at servers too when they don't do them because servers think their first priority is making tips Mm -hmm. but if i'm already mad because i've been waiting forever and i like i try really hard to be the best possible guest that i can be working in the service industry myself but if i stand at the door and no one says anything i feel like i'm going crazy and i still am trying to be a good guest but it's really difficult if my whole experience is already tainted by that so you want customers coming to you who've already had a great experience you want the the torch passed off in a positive way so yeah help out well just imagine this like say you over to your friend's house or not even your friend's house right like you're going to a party right and you maybe know a couple people there and you walk in the front door and nobody says hi to you. They all just kind of like look at you and then go right back to what they're doing. And you walk into the kitchen. You're looking for your friend. You see your friend. Your friend sees you. And he just kind of like turns away from you. That's what the experience of walking into a restaurant where nobody says hi to you is like. You're like, yeah. oh, shit. Should I even be here right now? Because they know they're supposed to say something to you. Mm-hmm. You can see it in their eyes when they're like, ah, oh, fuck. Um, I'm really busy. Ah, oh, fuck. And they just keep going. Just, You're like, you asshole. I know you saw me. Yeah. I know you aren't blind. I know that you've done this job more than five fucking seconds. I know you know. And they still keep going. It's so frustrating, even though I understand what's going on. It's frustrating. Question, did they have the little tablet things at the table? Yeah, those are uh, bullshit. Yeah. Those suck. Red Robin, you made a misplay switching to the tablets. That's garbage. I don't want an ad playing the entire time I'm eating. It honestly bothers me that there are options to play games on those things. Ugh. What's, is this a dining experience or is this an arcade? Red Robin is where I went when I first started doing theater. We would close the show and we'd all go to Red Robin. It was a great community experience. Don't put ads in that, bastards. Plus, okay, here's the thing. I'll, I'll throw Red Robin at bone. Having worked at P.F. Chang, which is, you know, Chinese Red Robin. Yeah. When adults say... I mean, we're adults, but, you know, more adultier adults say, you know, oh, these kids are blah, blah, blah. They don't know what they're doing. They're right. Because I worked with kid kids when I was a server at P.F. Chang's, you know, where I'm talking 18, 19 year olds. And if I was sitting there, I mean, it's P.F. Chang's, so it's not like you're going there for the most fucking fantastic dining experience ever. But they're not servers. They don't know what the hell they're doing. They're just walking around. They're like food, drinks, and like, oh, I might have forgot something, but whatever, because I'm funny and silly and I'm 18 and blah, 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 blah. Same type of deal. There's no cemented priority list in that mind that is, this is my job. This is how I do it right. This is important, and I need to value this. It's more like, I'm here. I'm at work. My stress, way more important than these people being happy. Yeah, and that's probably the vibe I get from your story that I would guess was the reason it happened. Yeah, definitely. I, so what were you guys, what are you going to say? Oh, no, I was going to say how I'm jaded, how when I go into a restaurant and I have a bad experience, Yeah. I look around and I see, I gauge because I've been doing this long enough that I can probably guess their section, guess their level of stress at the current time. Mm-hmm. And based off of that, determine like kind of how good of a server they are, yeah. like how good of a service they're giving me. Dude, if you're not 11 out of 10... If you're not dying, mm-hmm. I better see you a couple times. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you don't show up ever, and that's kind of been a couple of my Red Robin experiences. Ooh, sorry. I'll, I'll say some nice things about you, Red Robin, at the end. I promise. The it's fries. Nice. But the fucking fries. No, no. We can't get ahead of ourselves. But for real, though, <laughs> last time I was there, 
it was so i was like where is this dude man mm. it's gone from crazy to like are you serious like what are you just planning on never coming back how and long was it do you think it's hard for me to gauge the minutes but long enough that someone's food didn't have all the right stuff on it and we didn't get one thing or something like that mm. and by the time they showed back up it was like too late dude it's all gone <laughs> like what yeah. we're not gonna say anything yeah I've had experiences. I had one at the uh, the yard recently in Seattle. Just name dropping because I'm still upset at this woman. Um, she probably had four tables. I was one of the four, and I I talked to her two times during the whole experience. One time when she took my order, and the other time when we paid. Oh, in between bad. then, I talked to like a busser who I asked for some water. <laughs> I was like, "Hey, can I just get some water?" Which is like a basic human right in a restaurant. And then she dropped off the check, and I tipped poorly. Because I just kind of feel like at that point, why would you tip well? Yeah. Why would you tip well, Balder? Balder the cat is in the side room over here just like going to town on some boxes. Uh, we were talking about Red Robin. So I don't know if we have anything else. We've or- ragged on Red Robin a lot, but come on. I like to end things on a positive note just like we ended with the positive wine. Okay. The guacamole bacon burger at Red Robin. Oh, I haven't had that. A masterpiece. Mm. A masterpiece. Of I always burger. get the royal red with the egg. Oh, God, it's so good. Here's the thing. We could talk all day about how great the burgers are because burgers are great, but campfire sauce is the best sauce on earth. On mm. earth, dude. Oh, oh man. Dude, here's an audience poll because I think we would all answer in the affirmative of this. Has anybody listening ever stolen seasoning from Red Robin? Oh, yeah. Because I've stolen that shit a lot. <laughs> like the big ass one that's on the yeah, table? Yeah, dude. Everywhere? I brought yeah. a bag in there and just fucking poured it in the bag. <laughs> I just took the whole thing. <laughs> just take the whole thing. Red Robin, you got your sauce and seasoning and accoutrement on fleek. What does that mean? Accoutrement? Yes. It's like mise en place. It's all the other shit. Oh, okay. Well, do you know what it means? I don't know exactly what it means. Let me look it up. Accoutrement. While he's looking that up, other great things about Red Robin. Uh, the chicken shibata sandwich. Also fantastic. The steak and blue burger. Bottomless oh, fries. Freckled lemonade. How oh. can we be forgetting bottomless freckled lemonade? Bottomless freckled oh. lemonade. Oh. Don't they do bottomless milkshakes as well? No, I don't think so. They do like a big ass portion and they bring out an extra part and like that metal thing on the side too. They do. In case you want to keep adding more into your milkshake. Are you ready for this word? Hmm. Okay, first of all, it's accoutrement or accoutrements. Okay. I just pronounce it obnoxiously on purpose. It is additional items of dress or equipment or other items carried or worn by a person or used for a particular activity. You, you read that super sarcastically, but I just thought that that was a good description. <laughs> it's a good description, <laughs> but the point is, like, literally anything is accoutrements. Any article of clothing, any object that you use no, for a thing. No, it's not. Not in the, one, restaurant context. Two, if you're, if that was your, your uniform is not an accoutrement. Is but, it? But how you do your hair could be. Yeah. Or An apron is, though. A wine key. Mm, yeah. A server book. Everything you have is accoutrement. I still like it as accoutrements. Accoutrements. It sounds it sounds douchier. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's a cooler word. Yeah. Get it together, Webster. All right, shall we end the Red Robin side tangent? I mean, honestly, I love Red Robin. That's why I needed to get it back on. That's why it was in episode one. All right, what's next? Guys, if you were a Grecian, not a Grecan, a Grecian god, what would you be? Do you mean... Which currently existing in Grecian mythology God would be, or 
Are you saying that because they have the god of a thing, what thing will we be the god of? Number two. Number two. That's more fun. You'd be right. the god of number two? Gross. Oh, yeah. Ooh, dunk, dunk. <laughs> Did Magic Johnson teach you something? Yeah. Man, Magic Johnson and I trade for 20 minutes. I'm a 5'10 white person, but I can dunk. Yeah. He was just like, dude, you're starting your jump so way much too so early. That I would be the god of dunking. There it is. I said it. I'm just kidding. That's not my answer. <laughs> I have a better answer. <laughs> that would be a bad god to be, though. Yeah. The god it's of like, dunking. Oh, shit. Dunking god's here. Watch out. <laughs> I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to include this guy dunking on us. <laughs> you just go up to your, your day job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yes. Like, can I have the check, please? I don't know. Can you dunk? Do you guys? Have you ever? Uh, do you guys watch um, regular show? No, I've what? seen a, l- a little bit of it. Oh man! Well, this goes out to the, the <laughs> listeners that have seen regular show. There's a basketball episode. You know what I'm talking about? Let's, I've, I have seen the basketball. The ba- oh yeah, we're like the god of basketball comes down from the clouds. Yeah, yeah. That's what I imagine the god of dunking to be. I would be the god of. He wasn't ready for this. I wasn't ready. I thought I could just like dive in. And, and it like, seemed like you had something. I thought I did too. I thought my my soul would just provide it, but I don't have it. Um, I do if you're not ready. Go, go for it. Yeah, I'd be the god of sleep, dude. <laughs> the god uh, of sleep. One, I feel like that's actually a title that a god could have. Two, I love love sleep like so much. Um, I think it's probably the thing that I love the most, and then probably my mom, and then my bed. Um, I'm sorry. You love sleep and then your mom and then your bed. So basically like number one and number three are different elements of sleep. It's a Drake reference, but yes, he's got a bar. He's like, I only love my bed and my mama. I'm sorry. Ah, uh, yeah. But no, for real. I love sleep. I love dreams. That's another big thing too. I love ooh, dreams. I want to steal dreams. Yeah. But as the God of sleep, I have that whole realm as mine. Mm, yeah. You got a whole yeah. world. You got, that's good. And I'm also like cousins with death so like death and i are kind of close because sleep is a cousin of death and that's badass as a as bill bill shakespeare once said and you also kill a lot of people i do yeah so many people die in their sleep one like actually if you look it up wallace was actually the person who stabbed his husband ever at <laughs> yeah. <Bill's> spaghetti factory <laughs> in his sleep sleep fork all right you got to be a god of at least two things or or greek gods like one thing or one thing one thing? No, I mean, it's like, like one overarching concept. Yeah. I'd say sleep is my but thing. But like Dionysus is the god of like wine. Basically and just revelry. He's the he's god, the god of, like, of revelry. But he's the god of a lot of different things. It's more complicated. But he focused on wine. But like Apollo's the god of archery and something else. War. No. Uh, no. It's not war. It's Ares. Ares is the oh. god of war. Maybe. Apollo, okay. Apollo is the god of fire. In that oh, case, no. Apollo's not the god of fire. I, th- I thought that the way that it worked is they each had their like I am the god of X and then they were like but I also do Y well there's a lot more things than there were gods mm. yeah there's a, actually believe it or not a whole lot of things okay <laughs> Apollo a lot has of accoutrements been... if you will yeah mm-hmm. accoutrements I don't think there's an S I think it's just accoutrements, accoutrements. Like, it's both plural and singular mm. Apollo has been variously recognized as a god of music truth and prophecy healing the sun and light plague poetry and more so one of those was not archery egg on my face but they're gods of a lot of things but guess what was what was the sun the sun was on Which there is what made a fire 
different thing, though. Yeah, they didn't have a different fire god. I would still just be the god of sleep, yeah. and then I would just have fun with dreams because I would just be making everyone's dreams. And I feel like that's a full-time job. Would you fuck with people? Um, If they needed it, if they needed some fucking with. Mm. You know, I don't know how much say I have in it. I feel like I just fabricate the dreams, and then the person's mental state determines which one they get. So I feel like when a soul is birthed, I sit down and I just build all of their dreams, point A to point Z, and then they have them. Yeah, and you're a god, so you can just spend forever doing it. You're like yeah. Santa Claus dreams. Mm-hmm. Every night. Yeah. I would be the god probably of friendship. I know. I know. It's very... I know I'm that character from Yu-Gi-Oh, whatever. But I think friendship is my most important value as a human being. And it's also a thing that can be very difficult for me to make happen. And I think that, that would, that's more interesting is like Zeus, who's the king of all gods, and he's got his like god struggle where he just kind of wants to fuck around. Yes, I would be the god of friendship. Do you have a fun answer? Fun answer, paintball. <laughs> god of paintball? Because I want to like paintball, but it hurts so bad. But if I was the god of paintball, you know I would just wear a fucking loincloth, get shot in the wiener, <laughs> and just be like, I don't even feel it! See, I also have a fun answer and a real answer, which is why I asked. My real answer is I would be the god of goodness and joy. Because that's the thing I believe in most in life is just general goodness. Be good to others. Propitiate good in the world. And it will be reciprocated not only to you, but to others around you. I think it's one of the most catalyzing forces in the entire world. Uh, but my fun answer, I'd be the god of bangers, dude. I would yes! just fucking like ragers, ragers on Mount Olympus. Like <laughs> DJ Shades on the fucking craziest Greek dubstep you've ever heard. Everybody would just be headbanging and it would just be banger city banger mountain really on mount olympus mm. god of bangers dude which is it, 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 yeah, that is to me joy and goodness but okay here's my actual fun answer which would be the god of D, but can we please play a D campaign with the god of bangers <laughs> the god of sleep and the god of paintball <laughs> well sleep's, sleep's not my fun answer Okay, what's your fun? I feel like sleep is both fun and serious. Like, that would be so funny. I want to meet the god of sleep. Well, the dream aspect is where it gets fun, yeah. I guess. And I can fuck with people. Because you're also the god of dreams. That's pretty fun. Yeah, that's true. But I feel like I've got to have an understudy for that. Like, I've got to outsource some of that work. Because that's a lot of fucking dreams. I don't know. Yeah, I'll just keep that. That's fun. Director of dreams. Yeah. <laughs> D&D. Yeah. D-O-D. Dead on departure. Department of Defense. Thank you. From the bottom of our, wine of our slightly of our wine. <laughs> yes. yes. All right. I was going to say of our wine drunk hearts, but I guess we can say of our wine glasses. He's just not as poetic as us, despite the fact that he's a theater major. That I think what I said was more poetic than of our wine glasses. Thank you from the bottom of our wine glasses. Thank you from the bottom of our wine glasses. For listening to this episode of Shifties, a podcast about restaurants. Guys, I've been Wallace. I have been Joey. I have been, at times, Cold Cut, at times, Andrew Davies. Who can say the dividing line between the two? And this is Shifties. It's been our privilege to serve you. Get dunked on! <laughs> <laughs>